This is Grown Up With Kids, the parenting and marriage podcast that gives a weekly dose of encouragement, wisdom, and humor for people trying their best to live, love, and laugh more with their families. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, this week we talk about the heart of conflict and we dive into the life skills we're trying to instill in our kids. Plus, David loses his cool at a kid's basketball game. Welcome to the Grown Up With the Kids <laughs> podcast. Hey, welcome. Hey, Rachel. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah? You sound a little raspy. Oh, yeah. I'm a little raspy. <laughs> oh, you betcha. <laughs> I, uh, some might think it's because I'm sick, but it's actually because I lost my cool today um, at a basketball game for our kids. <laughs> I wouldn't say you lost your cool, but you were yelling. Uh, yeah. Like I cheering yelled, mostly. I a, feel like a little bit of yelling at the refs. Right. I cheered a lot and I was really proud of our team. They did a great job. So we on Saturdays we do three games um throughout the whole Saturday because we have three boys all in basketball. So the first two kept it together really well. The last one, I um I got a little frustrated about the lack of calling the fouls. Mm-hmm. I don't totally know that much about fouling, but I I can. But you were call pretty it. sure that somehow your team <laughs> was getting screwed. <laughs> yes, but in my um, in my defense, last week the ref was unfair to the other team, and I yelled the same things, and so not as not as strong. Uh, like I didn't lose my whoa. voice. <laughs> I didn't lose my voice last week, but this. When it's your you team, acknowledged. Yeah, I acknowledged at least that to the other people sitting with you. It felt a bit unfair. Yeah. Um, but we but we won, and so I didn't care as much. But this week we still won. But mm-hmm. um, I yelled across the court, "Call the freaking foul!" And you know when you say that, and like it's almost like everyone else all of a sudden is quiet accidentally, and you're still yelling. Mm-hmm. I was that mom. Yeah, you were. <laughs> Well, if you'd like to flip it around. Why, I do. I want to flip it around. Why were you so stoic for, during the first two games? Oh, because my husband lost Who? his cool. You. You lost your cool the first two games. The first one, no, you didn't lose your cool the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, the second oh. one, however, you lost your cool at the ref. Yeah. So here's the, hopefully a funny thing about the first game. Was yeah. I lost my cool at one point at our team because they didn't know which end they were supposed to be playing defense on. <laughs> and, okay, as a side note, how old are they? They're not that old. They're seven <laughs> and six years old. That's fine. Somewhere in that range. <laughs> and so because they were out of position, they fouled the other team after I had been yelling for eight straight seconds for them to get in position. Yeah. And I just turned around, and a little more than mouthed it, I whisper slash to myself mumbled a swear word, <laughs> which seems like inappropriate, but not a big deal because we're on the other side of the gym where there are no parents. Yeah. Well, I found out later in the day that the son of one of the, the other the coaches, <laughs> who's not on the team, but was on the bench. Did he hear you? <laughs> he heard me. <laughs> and he was like, Dad, Mr. Smith said a bad <laughs> word. So busted, and then oh, in the second man. game, I did lose my cool 
To for, a point where I had to like mouth across the gym at you. You didn't mouth it. You yelled it. But you were clearly in the right. Because oh, good. Wait, what? What, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> shh, shh. I'm so glad we're recording this. This you is great. You <laughs> enjoy this too much. You're in the right because oh, thank you. one of the other coaches uh, essentially had to verbally hold me back. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was like, all right, David, you're good. <laughs> and I just shut up and sat down. Well, okay. And... I think that you were angry with the explanation. You weren't angry with the call. You were just angry that there it wasn't yeah. accurate. Like, they weren't explaining it correctly. It, it made it worse why I was angry. Like, yeah. if I had thought it was a terrible call, it was, it was a, you know, it was a picky, nitpicky call for, for young kids. But it was, a, it was probably right. But then his explanation was, in my estimation, incorrect. Right. And so somehow that set me off yeah. where the call itself didn't. It's, You're a man of details, you know? It's ridiculous. I've, so my word of the week is <laughs> some combination of embarrassed, anger management training, <laughs> losing your cool. Like oh I want to bundle gosh. all those together and that's yeah. how I feel right now. Yeah. I um, Passionate. Passionate. There's, that's a nice one. Yeah. I. My word of the week is very similar. Like... I felt a little embarrassed at the, after the game tonight. And then when we left and I realized my voice was gone, I thought, <laughs> I thought that I think that went too far. As a note, we are not usually those parents. A lot of what we were doing was cheering people on. Are we, are we those parents that are like on the sidelines yelling? No, we don't yell at the refs very much. No. Um, I, over the last year, have had to learn that I yell at our kids, not like angrily, but I yell a lot of directions Yeah. to the point where after one game a couple seasons ago, and I can't remember which sport it was, to be honest, I asked one of the kids, is it helpful or is it <laughs> distracting and problematic when I am like yelling at you? And his response was, it's more distracting than helpful. Oh. And so in the, I remember in the middle of that season, it must have been soccer, uh, I just shut up. I was like, I gotta not talk. Yeah. Just, uh, other than to say good job and like cheer. Yeah. So I'm working on that. Now that I'm coaching, so, some of the times I lose my perspective on that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I understand. And it also, I think it depends on who I'm sitting with, to be honest. Like, well, there's a rowdy crowd for one of the teams, the yeah. one where you lost and your it's voice. It's so fun. Like, yeah. we cheer really loud for every kid. And, well, even and on they the other boo. Team. There's a few people who boo calls. No way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that. So sitting next to you, they were booing. It was funny. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's sort of playful, but, yeah. you know. Anyway, so, um, yeah, that's fun. All right. So I'm sure no one listening ever has lost their cool <laughs> at a child sporting <laughs> event. I When I, I was a kid, uh, there was a guy who was the dad of one of the kids on my team who literally got kicked out of the baseball field. Oh, my gosh. I think he was drunk, which is the sad part. But it was, uh, he just like started yelling about a call because his kid See, was the pitcher oh, and he just a, went crazy. Man, that's. So I don't want to be that guy. No, I don't either. I don't either. You definitely don't want me to be that guy. Yeah, what our <laughs> listeners need to know is that we are clearly imperfect parents. <laughs> yes. Exhibit A yes. basketball. I've yet to show up drunk to a sporting event though. So that's good. Yeah, I feel like you get a point. <laughs> is that what we're doing? <laughs> we're always doing points, Rachel. Always, always keeping points. All right. What well, are we talking about today? I think it's pretty similar, actually. We're talking about um, engaging with our kids in conflict. So not our conflict with our kids, but when they have conflict with siblings or friends. Yes. How do we do that? Ooh. 
it's hard. I think the hardest part is that I hate conflict. Um, yeah. And so I have a really hard time sort of like digging this one up and, and getting my head around it. And so preparing for this episode, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm unsure. Right. I've, I feel like I've learned a lot in the last week. Yeah. Thinking about this and talking through it with you. Yeah. And some of it is I've learned, oh, I don't like this subject very much. No. <laughs> because you don't like conflict either. Is that I'm, why? Right. I don't like conflict. I don't engage well with it in my own life. I'm not sure how well I'm engaging with our kids. So, But I think we've talked through some things that we're trying to do, some we've done from here, here and there, and things that I think are good for all of us to be shooting for. Yeah. And I think one of the main things that we came to, which is frequently where we end up, which is like, what are we actually trying to teach? Like, yep. what are we actually pursuing? Yep. So we're going to talk about seven skills that we are trying to develop. Yeah. We're going to talk about six ways that we can engage with our kids. But before we get into both of those things, we're going to talk about our hearts and how our hearts, you and mine, but also just our listeners as well, thinking through how how we feel, how we engage with the experience is very much determined by our perspectives. Um, and before we do that, I want to just give kind of like a quick distinction, which is we are not talking about if your child is being bullied or in a, some sort of relationship or incident where they were put in danger. What we're really talking about here is the normal age-appropriate conflict that every person, every child, every sibling goes through, right? Right. Like... To the level of that so-and-so didn't share his Transformer toy. Yeah. <laughs> you or, know? you know, as it would, would happen today, I had to kind of navigate a conflict between two of our sons about one felt like the other one was cheating at a game or a sport, and the other one thought, that, you know, that the other one wasn't trying to do it right. Like, there's all kinds of normal, again, age-appropriate conflict that happens with your friends and with your siblings uh, and it's a lot of trying to jockey around for what is fair, what is right, what is good. Yeah. Um, and so we want to kind of talk about how do we help our kids engage in that and grow in their ability to manage conflict, to work through conflict, and to really have better and deeper relationships with their siblings and their friends. I think another element of this is when friends um, have a different set of rules that might be unspoken. And so it might be deemed as rude in our household or selfish or whatever, like you name the offense. Uh, but it's an unspoken um, expectation, and it, it's, it creates conflict. It creates something inside of our kids or the other kid because it's not what they know. Right. So that's the kind of stuff that we'll be talking about today. Yeah. So let's talk about our hearts first and foremost in this. Dark and cold. <laughs> just kidding so the first thing that came to mind for me and I think for you was maybe first on your list is that we both don't like conflict absolutely so we're tempted to avoid conflict in our lives and we're tempted to avoid dealing with or engaging with our kids conflict is that yeah the right absolutely. Way to say that? I kind of just want everyone to just be happy yeah I um have a semi-default towards dismissiveness almost, like, oh, you'll be fine, or it's okay, just yeah. work it out, right? Which is not helpful. If I am thoughtful and saying, uh, you know, giving them some direction around how to work it out, like, you should work it out together, I don't need to do this for you, that's fine. But generally, it's 
don't bother me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's started because my heart or my like chest gets tight because I'm yeah. like, ah, I don't like this feeling. I don't want to deal with this. I don't. I don't like it when it's our 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 kids fighting with each other. I don't like it when they're fighting with their friends because it feels like I don't know their other rules and it just. I I just don't like it. Yeah, someone's gonna <laughs> say that I'm wrong, or they're gonna blame me for whatever. Yeah. I agree. I totally agree. So I think we need to be aware of that pull. Some people are really comfortable in conflict, and so their heart might be pulled in other ways. They might be pulled towards like winning the argument for their kids, right. um, or just like making it go away in different ways. But I, I just have to be really aware um, that my desire to avoid conflict can make me. Uh, you know, back up or run away from the situation and not engage or just try to fix it as fast as possible Mm -hmm. because it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, And I don't even always notice that, so I have to step back and pay attention. Yeah, and it's sort of like both of those things can go from either fight or flight, right? Like you can either just – so you and I tend to flight, go away, just smooth it over. Other people tend to fight and attack, and there's somewhere in between – that's really healthy, and mm-hmm. that's where we want to land today. Yep. Uh, another thing with uh, my heart is having appropriate expectations for our kids. So not looking at. I remember when I was a kid, <laughs> we got a, a a dog, and he went to uh, what do you call that? Like where you learn dog school. Yes, doesn't have a different name. Obedience school. There you go. There you go. Went to obedience school. And the first day, the teacher is like, you need to realize that your dog is not a little human in a fur coat. (laughs) And I think of that every once in a while when I'm engaging with my kids and I realize that I'm thinking that they're a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old in a little body. Just wearing five-year-old clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But no, they're a two-year-old or they're a 10-year-old or they're a 15-year-old, right? Right. They have a certain emotional uh, maturity and I need to get myself ready, set for that. And it's hard because we have multiple kids in our house and their maturity and their experience and their skill set dealing with friends and all that and their expectations are all different. Yeah. And so you have to level set that as you're engaging with the conflict. And it's really hard when they're fighting with each other because you're sort of engaging in two different types of conflict, right? Yeah. Or three different types of conflict. <laughs> I mean, it's Or like, four if I'm there yelling. It's <laughs> sort of... Like emotional whiplash. I mean, it's hard to figure out where to land to get everybody talking in a way that's productive. Yeah, absolutely agree. And then the last thing I was going to say about our heart is um, this idea of not getting uh, enmeshed. Uh, So not tying up my identity with my child and how they're acting. Man, yes. This never happens to you, huh? Oh my gosh, this is such a big deal. I feel like we say this every episode, but I think it's such a big deal and an overarching theme And it comes out in all these weird and wonky ways where I identify with how our kid is feeling and I flip my lid instead of keeping my cool. Yeah, and I was just going to say as an aside, I don't think we talk about it too much, but we did a whole episode on this idea of engaging with our child's emotions and not getting enmeshed. Right. Uh, And it's episode number 15, if anyone wants to go back and listen to it. I think we take a real deep dive into that whole idea, whether you're talking about their conflict or just their normal emotions of ups and downs throughout their day. Yeah. I agree. All right. Anything else on our hearts do you want to talk about? No. I mean, yeah. The only thing on my heart is that I think conflict's hard. Yeah. So I still land there. Sure. Well, why is engaging with our kids and their conflicts so important? Um, man, I think 
Well, it develops a lot in our kids if they can get through conflict, if they can start understanding and um, navigating conflict. So I think the first thing that comes to mind is that it produces a lot of humility um, because at some point, if there's a conflict, you say you're wrong or I was wrong. And like, I think we heard someone say a long time ago, it's a big deal to say, I'm sorry, to get your kids to say, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? But the real issue is when it like, does your kid say I was wrong because that really digs up something ugly. So I think that when we teach our kids to deal with conflict, they we're naturally pursuing that humility in them, which will serve them incredibly well as adults. Um, we've all met people who lack in this area, and I have been this person who lacks <laughs> in humility, and it just it gets ugly, you know. Um, so that's that's one thing I think it does for our kids. I think it also we've already talked about self control, but I think that it it gives them tools. It helps them start navigating how to have self-control. I think we want them to have self-control. My tendency is to be like, get control of yourself, like to just say that and expect them to do that. But that's not a natural human behavior. Right. The natural human behavior comes out in two-year-old style with like tempers and tantrums and freaking out. Um, So teaching that is, is, good to do in a conflict situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, we started our whole podcast talking about our lack of self-control. Right. (laughs) So uh, I think this is a really important skill. And I think it's common to look at kids and be like, oh, they have no self-control. What's wrong with them? But this is really where the age-appropriate thing comes in is when you're two, you don't have any self-control. All of that is learned, right? right? It, and you learn it through internal mechanisms and you learn it f- through external teaching and coaching. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we talk about skills we want to develop in our kids, conflict is one of the great places to develop self-control because you don't s- develop self-control when everything's going great, right? Exactly. That's not where it happens. You, It's where you feel really, really wronged and you want you know, to throw something or you just want to cry and scream and yell or you want to punch a hole in the wall or whatever or maybe kick a hole in the door sometime. (laughs) Uh, That's a story for another day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that, you know, this is the place to say, okay, yeah, you feel this way. You feel really angry or you feel really hurt or you feel lonely. That makes sense. That's real. Let's learn how to process those feelings and communicate them in a way that's helpful, not destructive either to you or to your relationships. Yeah, and I think how this usually comes out with, uh, like, I I wish I were that calm in saying this to our kids. I think what really comes out is you need to take four deep breaths, and you need to get to a place where we can discuss this. And we're going to do that by taking four deep breaths or have a seat and slow down on the stairway, like, or on the staircase, or um, why don't you sit down and color a picture with all your feelings, like, do something physical that allows them to take a deep breath, right. basically. Well, and we've been taught um, a little bit around 
when a child is kind of out of control and crying or whatever, like they're not using their executive function, right? Like they're yes. using their lower brain. So anything you can do to engage their executive functioning will start to bring them back. So we have at times different ages just had our kids put their hands in our hands and start to count to 10 with us. Yes, we learned this from um, someone in the neighborhood, a um, doctor who works with a lot of children specifically, and he taught us to put our hands out. And it's almost like this demand for um, for the executive to come in and run the company. Right. And so you put your hands out. The child puts their hands on top. Um, and so there's a physicality with it. But then there's also a demand, a very silent demand that asks them to, to stand still and to look you in the eye. And then, when, and then you count to 10, which, again, engages another part of the brain. And it brings this all together so that they can take a deep breath. And then you can start talking about self-control. But like, th- like there are some physical things that need to happen, I think, before we, before we get to that and start into the conflict. Absolutely. So one, we're developing humility. Two, we're developing self-control. I want to lump three and four together, which is teaching them how to listen well. Uh, and then teaching them how to communicate <laughs> well. Yeah. Both fun things. Both so hard. <laughs> but I think those, like, when I think about long-term goals, man, I want kids who listen to other adults well. Like, when they're an adult, when they're in a work situation, man, I want them to be the listener and the question asker. Um, I, I want them to be curious because they've they've really listened well. Yeah, and this isn't just about conflict because when you're a good listener, you can connect with people. You, Yes. And that's initially, like, when you're just doing networking or making new friends, you kind of connect more easily when you're a good listener and can kind of enter into conversations around people, things that people are interested in. But it's also, over time, you can actually have much deeper relationships when you're really listening to people and connecting your experience with their experience or your feelings with their feelings. So, yeah, I absolutely agree that teaching our kids how to listen is just such an important skill. And to be honest, I think a skill that not enough people have. I um, agree. I totally so, agree. Yeah. So in conflict, right, part of it is having them go to the person they're in conflict with and listen to what's going on. Why are they upset? Yeah. Or why are they mad? Or why did they treat me the way that they did? Um, and getting some understanding around that, right? Yeah, and I think that a really good way to do this, I think of um, some friendships that our kids have been engaged in um, which have been challenging. There are some friends who are easier than others. Um, and when the friendship is challenging, one of the first things I think that breaks down is a lack of listening to each other. And so when when I can dive into that relationship and gently put my hand on one kid's knee and say, just listen for a second, and like doesn't matter if they're telling the craziest story ever about you or whatever, just listen, mm-hmm. just pause. And so as a parent watching a friendship that sort of is disintegrating into conflict, that is a really good tool to gently say, just stop and listen to the full story. And then going to the other side and saying, just stop and listen to the whole story. So everybody has an opportunity to really get things, all of it aired. The whole thing doesn't matter if it's truthful like, we'll deal with that later, right? Mm-hmm. But right now, like, just listen, and then you can start working through it. Again, right. tipping point. 
Yeah, and so the listening is one part, and to your point, when you listen, you're not trying to listen to win the argument or listen to argue with what the points they're making. You're listening to hear where they're coming from. Exactly. When you're communicating, you're trying to communicate the truth. That's where the truth matters. When we're working on those skills, you're trying to communicate, this is what I experienced, this is what I saw, this is how I feel, or this is how that made me feel. Right. And that's also not necessarily a natural skill set, right? Like a two-year-old knows how to yell mine or I want, right? Right. So they kind of know how to communicate what they want, but they don't know how to do it in a way that's actually helpful um, and builds mutual relationship. They just know how to do it in a way that's really blunt. Right. And I think that, um, I, I also think there's a tendency for parents to jump in and like try to correct the behavior one too quickly, but also too seriously. Like, if some kid is yelling mine and you're frustrated by the conflict that's happening on the playground, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's okay to laugh about it. Or if or if you dive into the relationship that's disintegrating without any listening and whatever, like you can laugh and and joke. Like I, I think of a circumstance where I was trying to get another kid who's not my own to just pause and listen and they kept talking. And so I just like – I. I put my hand up and I was like, (laughs) like over and over. And it became really funny. So this isn't like this like intense conversation you're having with friends who are coming to your house. Like this is like light, like let's laugh about how little we're communicating right now. We can laugh about how little we're listening, et cetera. Yeah. And again, I'm, I love making distinctions. The distinction is you're not (laughs) laughing at kids and you need to know the situation. You're not supposed to laugh at them. Not in front of them. them. Nope, nope. I'm just kidding. I don't <laughs> laugh at kids. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> but also, you just kind of have to know the kid in the situation. Like, there are some situations with one of our children in particular where he is not going to think it's funny. Right. And I've had to learn that because I usually try to use humor to you break it. You mean our it. son is not going to think it's funny? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but then there are other situations with that same son or with the other two where you kind of can feel like, oh, if I make a joke now, it's going to lighten the mood. It's not going to hurt the person that feels wronged, right? Right, exactly. So just using some discretion with that. All right, so humility is one. Self-control is two. Three is listening. Four is communication. Number five is like maybe the hardest skill for all humans, especially kids, empathy. Ah. (laughs) That's all we got to say about that. No, (laughs) like... Teaching, so you've listened, you've communicated, and now you're seeing the world through someone else's point of view. Yeah. Like that is what empathy is, is not necessarily feeling what they feel, but being able to understand what they feel um, and how their experience is different. And I think this is, I mean, we just live in a world right now where there is not a lot of empathy, at least in public spheres. I think in people's private lives, there's tons of empathy. But like, this is just something I really want our kids to develop where they can see other people, they can learn about them and understand them and then see the world through their eyes. They don't have to agree. They don't have to say I'm wrong and they're right necessarily, or their point of view is always right. But just being able to understand that point of view will give them a much fuller view. And I think a more joyful view and again, deeper, more meaningful relationships. Yeah. And I think that goes back to listening. You know, like listening, asking good questions, communicating, I think sort of stems out of that. And I think we're going to get to a little bit more about empathy in a minute. No, that's it. (laughs) We're done, Rach. I don't care if you want to do more. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) My voice is going to be gone soon. I know. All right. Skill number six is problem solving. So 
you're in a conflict or the child's in a conflict, there's obviously like, hey, let's just use something simple. Like, I want that toy right now and you won't give it to me. It's like, well, let's think through some solutions, right? right. So one solution is they give it to you. Well, that's not really going to work for them right away. One solution is you never get it. That doesn't really work for you, right? But what are some other solutions? Like maybe we could put a timer and you guys could think through uh, like, should it be three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes or whatever it is. And usually we've done that in that kind of instance. That's a really easy, low stakes kind of negotiation. The best best is when we say, okay, so-and-so you have five minutes and the one that's the youngest or the younger one doesn't really know time. Yeah. And so they're like, no, 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'll wait 15. I won't wait five. Wait, 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 wait. Just hold on. I don't think you understand this concept yet. You know, you're negotiating against yourself. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's cute. I think that um, we had someone named Patrick who posted on our page a really handy little tool. Wait, let's be clear. Our Facebook group. Our Facebook group, the discussion group. Private group, join it. You're missing out if you're not on there. Well, I loved, like, I felt like when I posted this week about uh, trying to figure out conflict, nobody answered and i was like hey does no. nobody know how to do this like what in the world so- <laughs> or we're the only ones who have kids with, with conflict <laughs> yeah, i was like wait are we alone and so um i loved the picture he put up there it's a diagram and it kind of um lays out what we're talking about today so there are ways to escape there are ways to attack and there are some examples under each of those and then right in the center are ways to work it out and i love i just love that it encourages um how to do the work to build good relationships and get through conflict. Yeah. It's a useful tool. Thanks, Patrick. Yeah. Oh, the socially, socially awkward, awkward dog. dog. <laughs> uh, yeah. Check it out on the uh, Facebook page. It's worth it. Let's get to the last sort of skill that we're trying to develop in our kids. And that is this idea of respect. Yes. I am. Um, I am a huge proponent of respect. Is anyone like anti-respect? <laughs> with some of the kids that we interact with, I wonder. Someone might be <laughs> against respect. I'm not sure. And with our kids even, I'm like, what are we doing? Um, I think that when I think of adults, what I really want for them is to be really respectful and offer dignity to anyone that comes their way. So I think this think this encompasses the whole thing. So it takes a lot of humility. I think it takes self-control. I think it takes empathy to start listening and seeing people really well. And the end result is offering dignity to the people around you. Mm -hmm. So when you dive into conflict, and here's me preaching to the choir. Like, I feel like I need to... You mean to me? No. (laughs) (laughs) I should say, like, hey, Kettle, this is the pot. You're black. Is that right? Is that the right phrase? But I feel like this is something that I personally need to remember that conflict is okay because at the end of the day when there's conflict, it means there I, I respect you and it offers you dignity and it offers me self-respect and dignity as well, saying I'm worth a conflict, you're worth a conflict. So let's do conflict so well. So let's do conflict well. Let's work through this because you're valuable to me. Yeah. Um, that changes how I view it for myself. And that's what I really want for our kids. Yeah. Excellent. So the six skills that actually is seven, the seven (laughs) skills that we're trying to develop in our kids, humility, self-control, listening, communication, empathy, problem solving, and respect. And we kind of brainstorm six ways that we as parents are trying to engage and they match up to some degree. Um, So I'm going to run through these relatively quickly. So one is 
really engaging with the practice of developing self-control. So we talked a little bit about, you know, whether it's breathing exercises, just talking through, engaging the executive function, whatever it takes for our kids to slowly learn how to have control over their emotions and their bodies, uh, not to suppress them, not to say don't feel these things, whether your feelings are bad, but to help them learn how to express them in a useful uh, way. Right. I agree. All right. Good. That's one down. <laughs> Number two uh, is to model empathy. Uh, again, we talked about empathy being a skill. So we have to do that. We have to hear our child's point of view even when we're like, this is sort of a ridiculous conflict. That's where I struggle. <laughs> That's where I started, right? I said it's, I, sometimes I'm dismissive. Yeah. That's not empathetic. Like I need to be like, this matters to you, and I'm going to engage with it as if it matters to you and learn how it can matter to me. And so model that empathy with them. Yeah, and at the very least – Son, daughter, you matter to me, and so I'll I'll stay in this with you, even though I don't understand. <laughs> you yeah, know? right. Yeah. All right. So the third one is going back to the idea of listening. Communication is teaching our kids how to communicate about their feelings, in particular, being able to say, "This is how I feel," recognizing what their feelings are. Uh, on a previous podcast, you talked a little bit about how you do yes/no with kids when they don't understand how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives them a simple way to say, you "We'll ask, like, are you mad?" and they'll say, "No," and like, "Are you sad?" Uh, yes, and it just gives them a way to start to explore their feelings more, and then over time, learn how to actually communicate their feelings without having to be, uh, you know, asked all these specific questions. Yeah, exactly. It's important to remember. I think it's important to remember that kids don't come with the language around feelings and emotions to understand themselves. And so any tool that you can offer, so we've done the yes or no, a feeling wheel is really helpful. Smiley faces for really young children or unhappy faces or whatever. Oh, yeah, like the spectrum of the faces to say, which one are you? Yeah, so any way that you can engage whatever age child is really, really helpful. Yeah, agreed. All right, uh, number four is going to be brainstorming solutions. So we talked a little bit about problem solving is one of the skills we're developing here. So going through that process with them of like, hey, what are some solutions? Let's write them all down. Um, and this, I think, is also useful as our kids get older and they start wanting things or kind of demanding things even that we're not ready for um, mm-hmm. or we think are not good. And we can say, well, we can't do that, but let's brainstorm some other ideas because then they start thinking about why is it that I want to ha- you know, have my curfew be 12 instead of 10? It's like, well, maybe I can't do that as your parent right now, but let's think of some other ideas that might work. And they might start to brainstorm some ideas around like, well, what if I texted you at 10 every night and made sure that it was okay for me to stay till 11, right? So that skill development of being like, what are some ideas that might work for both of us? Um, That's a good thing to start when they're younger and they're negotiating sharing a ball. Right, I agree. I wish we would have started this a little bit younger. I feel like we're in the thick of it right now with one of our kids um, trying to teach them how to be proactive on solving a problem. So rather Mm -hmm. than just receiving the yes and moping about it, or receiving the no and moping about it, like getting them to think about like, well, what do you think about this? Or I was thinking of this. What do you think? Et cetera. So creating that conversation. I think that I wish we would have done that younger. Yeah. It just works a part of their brain that they don't naturally work. Right. Exactly. Um, and the last, not the last one, the fifth one is also a part of the brain or a skill um, that is not automatically used, which is developing negotiating skills. So you're in a conflict, your child's in a conflict with their friend, you've talked through how they feel, now let's discuss those problem solutions that we just 
brainstormed. I'm losing all my words. <laughs> oh, I don't know why anyone listens to this <laughs> when I talk. Anyway, you brainstorm some ideas. Now you negotiate between the two of you. What, which of these actually is a win-win, not a win-lose or exactly. a lose-lose, right? Yeah. All right. And then the final way we can engage, number six, is uh, not related necessarily to the skills we talked about, but is this idea of teaching our kids that life isn't fair. Uh, we may have talked about this before, but this is one of the things we talk about with our kids. Our mantra sometimes in the middle of these types of conflicts is we don't fight for fair. Like the goal is not for everyone to feel like it's fair because it'll never feel like it's fair to everyone. Right. So what we're trying to do is love each other well. We're trying to be empathetic. We're trying to see the other per- person's point of view. And sometimes that may mean that we are willing to sacrifice because we love our brother or our sister or our friend. Um, and so we'll let them quote unquote win or that, you know, you know, get more than what we think we're getting, right? Right. And I think this is really tricky to model. Like, I think marriage is a really good place to model this. Um, and it's, man, it, I think for adults, like, I think it sounds really good to say to our kids, we don't fight for fair. But when it comes to whether things are fair between you and I, or when I think I've been wronged or things have been, um, there's like an injustice toward me like when the ref misses a foul call no between (laughs) you and me like when you wrong me i get super bent out of shape um it's an opportunity for me to say okay i don't fight for fair i fight to love you which changes the tone of our conversation it's a good way to model for our kids how we don't fight for fair yeah absolutely that's that's a again this is this whole podcast is like me saying i am really bad at this (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah i feel like we could unpack that not fighting for fair in your marriage for another 20 minutes, but we're not going yeah, to. Yeah, I bet you'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> to no, find out. for both of us. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but let's not do that today. Maybe another day. Another day. But today, let's go to the stat of the week. Stat of the week. All right, Rach. 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 So in my second week of completing some level of homework... Yeah, did you discover anything about... Um, well, we went down a Denmarkian... Denmarkian? Uh, rabbit hole. <laughs> Which and I actually posted this already, I think on Twitter, maybe on Facebook as well, that there is a whole Denmark stats website uh, called Statistics Denmark. I think it's dst.dk. I assume DK is like the equivalent of COM. Yeah. That's what it stands for, Denmarkian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, I haven't dug too deep on this, but I'm going to ask you a question about their view on their quality of life. Okay. So they ask, um, presumably, a sampling of their population. Overall, how satisfied are you with life as a whole these days? And Uh I'm curious, what do you think, which age group do you think gives the highest score for that? And this is specifically for the Danish, right? This is, yeah, just, just in Denmark. Okay, just in Denmark, age group. Male and female combined. Okay, happiest. I bet age 35 to 45. Really? We're in that age. <laughs> Do you think this is the happiest we're going to be? <laughs> oh, I'm, ha- I'm pretty happy, though. I mean, I guess that speaks well to yeah, how we're but doing. I've, <laughs> I've heard people talk about, like, when you have small kids, like, your happiness just on an overall scale. Like, Goes you love your kids. You're doing great. Yeah, it's just a ton of work. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's the most stressful physically time of your life. Because you're exhausted, like, yeah. all the time. So I'm going to okay. tell you that it's not that group. Okay, is uh, it Although, old, so it's like, I'm sorry, yeah, it is older than that. So, like, I guess retirement age would be pretty glorious, like age 60. 
65? Yeah. So once you get into the 60s and 70s, they're all about the same. They're the highest. And it's a pretty big jump from people in their 50s. Apparently, your 50s are not very good in Denmark. Really? Yeah. That's actually the lowest. So it goes like kind of high for younger people, 18 to 30. Stays high till 39. Not that high, but higher. And then it dips down for 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds. And then it just shoots up to its highest point when you're in your 60s and 70s. Interesting. But they ask another question. Yeah. Overall, how satisfied do you expect to be with your life in five years? For Denmarkians? Yeah. The the Danes. The Danes? The Danish. I don't know. (laughs) I'm never going to get Denmarkians out of my head now. No. So who do you think says they're expecting to be more satisfied in five years? Like what age group? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, 18-year-olds? Yeah. Is that right? It's, it is completely linearly inversely related to your age, meaning the younger you are, the more likely you're to say your life's going to be better in five years. Oh, my gosh. You're so hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. But they're wrong. It's not going to be great till they hit <laughs> 60. But you're wrong. But it's really oh low for 70-year-olds. Uh-huh. Uh, 70-year-olds are the only group where their satisfaction in the future is expected to be lower than their current satisfaction, which is probably because many of them will dead, be dead. <laughs> I mean, no, if you're 70, you got some time still. But like, yeah. yeah, some of those people are in their 80s and 90s. It's like, eh, how could I be happier than this? <laughs> I probably won't even be around. So, oh, that's funny. In Denmark, the youthful are not that satisfied, but they are very hopeful. Very and I like hopeful. that. Yeah, I do too. Sunshiny folks. So that's our stat of the week. Good work. Um, Good work. You wanted to remind people about something, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, bugger. I can't <laughs> either. <laughs> we'll go to the Facebook group, chime in, talk to us, uh, reply to people who are on there with uplifting and encouraging and helpful thoughts. Um, but we can have good, serious conversations, but. We're just not going to bicker with each other. Right. And share this episode if it was encouraging for you. Yeah. If you have any friends who would uh, need a good laugh or need to know a little bit about how to help their kids with conflict. Yep. Or right. send it to your husband or wife. No, don't do that. It's passive aggressive and weird. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you keep sending in these episodes to me? <laughs> David, you should listen to this. <laughs> uh, yes. Have you listened? I'm just kidding. Nah. Uh, Uh, that means okay we're done (laughs) no this is great hey thanks for working on the farm thank you for working on the farm check ya